Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that knows that the heart ring from Captain Planet was really just the participation award. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Hey, man. What's um, up? <laughs> not much. So we are, at this moment, literally at the time of this recording. So because of our how we do our release schedule, at the time of this recording, we are one week away from the Snyder Cut. Um, and uh, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm like really excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see, did you by any chance, actually, you know what? I'll save that. Um, I'll ask, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that question for sure, but I'm going to put it in the watching and reading category and I'll bring it up because I was not one of the lucky few. So um, we'll bring that up in a moment. How uh, let's just jump right into it, man. What are you watching? What are you reading? Uh, Yeah, so I only had a couple things I wanted to mention this week. Um, The first one is I watched this new series or newish. Well, I guess, yes, new, but it's like a couple weeks to a month month. So it's not super new. But uh, this new series on Netflix uh, behind her eyes are you familiar with this at all? Do you know what it is? Um, or I know I know of it. OK, but, that's <laughs> that's interesting because I haven't seen it get a lot of hype, but it's this uh, British series that um, it was kind of just one of those things that came up in my Netflix feed that I just decided to watch and I didn't really know what it was. And uh, it started and it's kind of your typical like sort of relationship love triangle drama. That's how it starts off with where it's about this woman who uh, uh, basically starts uh, dating a man and then she finds out that he's married. And uh, meanwhile, she ends up like uh, just kind of by happenstance ends up becoming uh, friends with his wife. And uh, when she realizes what's going on, it's kind of this crazy situation. And the show goes and it's one of those things where it was enjoyable and interesting, but after a couple episodes, it kind of felt like it was getting a little stagnant and I almost stopped watching it. But something inside me kept told me, like, no, you might as well just keep watching this. And it's only six episodes or so. So, it, it you know, just keep watching it, see what happens. And by the end of the series, like it's it's like the last two episodes, the series makes this crazy like this crazy turn into more of a supernatural thriller sort of territory. Um, And it starts dealing with a lot of like really esoteric, like supernatural uh, concepts as well as just being like a really creepy sort of, I was going to say a tale of revenge, but that's not quite it, but it's, it's got like some of the characters motives are super de- devious and it's just a really interesting series overall. Um, and I'm not, I'm not revealing a lot because I don't want to spoil this one. Um, 
I did see online a lot of people are comparing this movie to the uh, uh, Jordan Peele film Us, or I guess the series to that film, because the ending especially is kind of similar. And I feel like that might be a bit of a spoiler, but uh, oh, well, I'm not going to worry about that. But I can say that this series, ever since I've watched it, it's kind of messed me up where the ending is just so like there's twists in it that I have not been able to get out of my head and have kind of messed me up, but in the best way possible where I keep thinking about it and certain things are still making me cringe and stuff. So basically check this one out if you want a weird supernatural relationship thriller drama i guess (laughs) and if you want something that's gonna kind of uh make you think and uh i don't know it's like i said it kind of started out a little bit boring but by the time i got to the end i was really happy that i watched this one so um there's that um the only other thing i really watched this week was i finished wandavision of course um and i'm sure we're gonna talk about that but uh how about you uh any, did you watch anything cool? I watched a ton of stuff, actually. Oh, nice. <laughs> so first I've decided I'm going to start. A, I just all of a sudden decided I was going to start a rewatch of HBO's Newsroom. Uh, that show is old, but I decided to watch it again. I love it. It's amazing. Um, the uh, I rewatched Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman in prep for the Snyder Cut release. Um, Great. Um, it's it's phenomenal. So I watched Man of Steel and then Batman vs Superman director's cut, which when you watch those back to back, holy cow, like <laughs> like the the payoff is just amazing. Um, and then uh, I watched Freaky. Oh, what do you um, think of Freaky? Which Freaky was absolutely amazing. It was so, so much fun. Uh, Vince Vaughn is incredible. Um, the, uh, I really, one of the things I really liked was, and and I didn't think about it until, um, the scene where, so they've already switched places. So if you don't know what freaky is, it's basically freaky Friday, but the girl switches places with a serial killer. Uh, the serial killer is played by Vince Vaughn. So Vince Vaughn for the majority of the movie is a high school teenage girl. Um, which is funny in its own right. But some, what I really liked was when the serial killer now in the girl's body is, um, had going to kill the teacher. Um, Mm -hmm. he wasn't his normal strong self because he's a teenage girl now. (laughs) Yeah. That, yeah, that was pretty cool how they threw that in there. It was just the fact that they paid attention to the fact that no, 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 he wouldn't have his strength. Like he wouldn't have the strength of the, hulking man serial killer guy walking around killing everybody with knives and stuff. Um, <laughs> it, so. it kind of reminded me of uh did you ever see that hot chick with um uh rob schneider yeah kind of yeah um, that's, that's a perfect example um, well because, because they do the same thing in the hot chick where the uh the girl character takes over uh rob schneider's body and uh she's not used to like her like the newfound strength that she has but in the hot chick it's just so cartoony and so obnoxious <laughs> where for some reason rob schneider is able to like throw people across rooms and stuff i did appreciate that freaky did that sort of um strength difference they you know they portrayed it in a much more realistic way <laughs> than in the hot chick which i personally really appreciated so um yeah i totally uh i totally see that i i you know it's funny when in the freaky friday movies i never think about the hot chick in terms of that that trope i guess you'd say or in terms of that 
You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, same. The I just don't think about it that way. Hmm, interesting. The um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the hat trick is maybe like it's not necessarily the most memorable like benchmark film or anything like that. Yeah, so I, don't I, always blame for, there. I always forget about it. I always forget about it because you know, like when you think about movies like Groundhog Day, there's a few different, there's a couple different movies that deal with time loops. You have Groundhog's Day and Palm Springs and Happy Death Day and stuff like that, but. You know, when you think about Freaky Friday, it's usually just Freaky Friday. And then you throw in this movie, Freaky, and then you're like, oh, yeah, but then there's the hot chick, which is exactly the same movie. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> no, just I really Freaky was absolutely fantastic. It's like it's like a perfect like horror movie type trope stuff. It's like your standard horror film, but it's more funny than anything else. So like there's, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 minutes of actual scary stuff and then the rest of it's just a fun uh comedy movie if you will um, yeah and then i watched let's see what else did i watch um i feel like i'm missing something hmm. um i watched and all right i'm just gonna skip to this one because i feel like i'm i feel like i'm leaving something out but that's okay um i watched tom and jerry um, I need oh, to I know. I know exactly where you're going. Uh, OK, so you watch Tom and Jerry. Keep so <laughs> uh, Tom and Jerry was actually. All right. Look, it's not the greatest movie on the face of the planet, but it is a true hybrid film in the same sense that Roger Rabbit is a hybrid film. It's not just Tom and Jerry that are animated characters. It is there are several animated characters within that movie and the way the real life people blend with the cartoon stuff, um, is very much the same way they did with Roger Rabbit back in the day. And like Mary Poppins back in the day and some of those other hybrid films from those old school hybrid films. So there is some film techniques that we haven't seen in a really long time with the hand-drawn art, with the real people and, it was it was cool seeing like it was really cool kind of seeing that again, like as a throwback sort of a thing. Um, That's awesome. So and if you have kids, go watch it. But if you're an adult that understands film history and stuff, it's kind of a treat to watch. Um, so, yeah, um, that's the, good. yeah, that's good to keep in mind. The thing that I was going to say about the Roger Rabbit, sorry, not Roger Rabbit, Tom and Jerry. That's what I mean to say is that they um there's a, apparently a lucky handful of people that went to play Tom and Jerry on HBO Max and ended up watching the Snyder Cut. Yes, I did. I did hear about that. And it, I, it I found out about that after I watched Tom and Jerry, by the way. So I was not one of the lucky few. Oh, that's that's funny. Yeah, I did hear about that. And it made me want to go. I'm going to go turn on Tom and Jerry. <laughs> and see if I'll get the Snyder cut. But it was one of those things where I knew like the time had passed, you know, this was a temporary glitch and, you know, I missed that chance. But uh, yeah, that's really funny. I read about that online and forgot about it. So I'm glad you brought it up just now. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so I didn't, but it got pulled really fast. So I don't know if people were able to see the whole movie or if they were able to see like a few minutes of it. I really don't know. That's the part that's kind of uh, up in the air, I think. But um, it got pulled Mm -hmm. really quick. Um, so hopefully everything's working just fine come next week because, and it's going to be weird. And I'll say this to the listeners. Now, when we record the next episode, we record will be on the date of the Snyder cuts release. 
It's going to be weird because we're going to be want to rush off the show to go watch. But because it's such a long film, I don't know if either one of us will be able to watch the movie prior to recording. So we will be doing a Snyder Cut specific episode because we've been talking about it for so long. We might as well do it. We might as well devote a show to it because how lengthy it is. We're going to have a lot to talk about and discuss. And um, yeah. And and we'll still do uh, like the news and stuff like that. That episode. Correct. Oh, yeah. We'll still do the news. We'll yeah. probably keep it light because we'll make it. We'll want to talk more about the movie and get it like a full rundown. So I just I just figured I'd mention that in case, you know, people aren't into the uh, Zack Snyder DCEU movies. Uh, you know, we'll still have our watching and reading and our uh, news and stuff like that that week. So, yeah. Um, well, and then the other thing I watched, which we do need to talk about, is WandaVision. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the finale? What do you think of the ending? I <laughs> I don't know what I think about this one yet. And it's really weird. Um, I think I think the finale was good. Um, I was satisfied with it. There's aspects of it that I think there's a couple aspects that I think were a little bit lackluster and a little bit disappointing. Um, I think that the final battle between Wanda and uh, Agatha could have been a lot more epic, you know, like it felt kind of like a uh, like a poor man's Dragon Ball Z battle in a lot of ways. And I feel like they could have maybe played it up a little bit, made it a little bit more. um, I don't know the right word, just more epic feeling. Um, And then the big thing that I know, I I agree with that, by the way. Yeah. Um, The big thing that I know a lot of people are kind of disappointed with is how um, the whole like uh, Evan Peters uh, Quicksilver, how his character played out and how it's not actually or at least as far as we know, it doesn't seem to be the X-Men universe uh, Quicksilver. It seems to be all kind of set up by that you know, part seems to be set up by Agatha and there's a lot of mysteries that I think we were hoping to see play out that kind of weren't. And so I'm kind of with people where like, I am disappointed in some of that stuff a little bit, but at the same time, I did really love this show. I think it is very interesting. It was a really fun ride. So I'm really glad overall I'm satisfied with the show, but I did, there are a couple minor points that I am a little disappointed with. Um, but with all that said, the way that ep- the episode ended and kind of the closure or lack of closure, however you want to phrase it, the sort of emotional impact that this all had on Wanda, I found really satisfying. And I actually felt like I was getting kind of touched at the end. And I re- really wanted to see, you know, where her character goes from here and where the story goes from here. So overall, like I was satisfied, but there are some tidbits that I think they could have either done better with or just given us a little more. Um, what are you kind of where are you at with this uh, season finale? Um, I'm kind of exactly the same place as you. I did feel like the end, the battle with her and Agatha was. It, it was, was <laughs> it was drag. It was Dragon Ball Z, but it was like. Right. When you watch was, Dragon Ball Z, it feels more epic than this there was, one did. <laughs> there was so much CG to it that I was like, I don't. I, I just it just felt almost anticlimactic, if you will. Um, uh, yeah, no, that's that's a perfect that's a perfect point. Um, I am a little bummed that they didn't do like the end, like a House of M moment at the end. Um, yeah. 
I really, really wanted that. Uh, the because uh, at the end of House of M, this is a huge spoiler. So if you haven't read House of M, M yet, skip ahead. I don't know, ten seconds. She says, "No more mutants," and then suddenly that becomes the thing, and it completely shakes up the you know because of a reality altering powers. It really screws with the Marvel comics. Um, dynamic for years and uh, it's great seeing like the fallout people like she's the one that did it you know what i mean so she kind of creates herself becoming a big bad if you will um mm. still i still think because she's now the scarlet witch she could potentially become the big bad she's officially the scarlet witch now um yeah she could potentially still be the big bad in the doctor strange film uh which would be kind of cool um i still i still kind of hold a still kind of hold the idea that that's what's going to happen um, but we're going to be away from Wanda for a little while uh, just because I think we're not going to see her again until Doctor Strange. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. But the um, I, I love the costume. Um, I think that looks I think it looks fantastic. Just finally seeing her in the Scarlet Witch, the real Scarlet Witch costume. Um, I think it looks great if you compare it to. Um, I've seen some side-by-sides where people have put it next to Michael Fassbender's uh, Magneto costume from the X-Men films. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, it looks good because, you know, that that whole complicated X-Men lineage, you know, um, mm-hmm. which I don't want to get into because – we could be into we could we could really do a whole deep dive on how she's his daughter but not his daughter and all that stuff. That's kind of a conversation for another show because we have there are I feel like there's so many average viewers that are just, when I say average viewers not of this show but of Marvel of the Marvel films they know the Marvel films they don't know comics. Um, yeah, and we're at a point where so many people don't read books. Um, where I have, I got into this big, big conversation at work, uh, at my second job, that is about something, some conversation came up with Marvel and they kind of turned to me and asked me a question and I had to do this deep dive explanation about stuff. And they're all looking at me like, how did you, where did you learn all this stuff? I'm like, it's in the comics, dude. Like it's, it's all there. You just have to read it. Um, Mm -hmm. don't read because they watch the movies and they, that's kind of where they're, they stay with it. So because of that, if I were to get into the big minutia of how like they're related but not related and all that complicated stuff, I think it would detract from what Disney may end up be, being or trying to do when they eventually bring the X-Men in. So not to confuse everybody, we'll just leave it at that. If you want to know, go read comics. Is I'm going to always say that. Go read comics. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. But yeah, so um, – I'm kind of sad to see WandaVision go a little bit because I was really enjoying the show. But literally next week, we're getting not only the Snyder Cut, but we're also getting kept. Uh, sorry, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier starting that same weekend. So, oh, man, that's awesome. It's, that's so like literally, it's literally yeah. Snyder Cut on Thursday and then Friday you get Falcon and Winter Soldier. So we're going to have a ton to talk about. Um, Absolutely. It's it's daunting, but it's super exciting and it's kind of um I don't know. For me, I mean, I've mentioned it so many times on the show, but it's going back to the uh, summer of 2016 when we had like Batman v Superman and Civil War coming out. And uh, for a while, they were going to be coming out the same weekend. And I just love that stuff. Like 
the more of these superhero movies and shows we can get coming out, it's just great because we can just live in, you know, all the superhero universes at once. So that's really exciting. And um, to bring it back to WandaVision, I'm with you, too. Like, I am I'm sad that uh, this this season ended, possibly the series. I don't know if they'll do more seasons, but. You know, Wanda as a character has really grown on me, and um, I feel like we've just kind of started seeing the cool sort of Scarlet Witch stuff that we always wanted to see. Like we're, I know I've I've kind of made fun of the fight scene in this episode with the Dragon Ball Z ness of it, with the characters floating in the sky and shooting fireballs at each other. But at the same time, I love that stuff, and I just want to see it more. And I I love the. Uh, magic characters in the MCU. And I feel, I do feel like she's going to play a role in, uh, the new Dr. Strange movie. And I really hope she does, but yeah, I think I'm definitely with you where I just want to see more of this character and, uh, where her story goes from here. Yeah. Same. So yeah, we'll see. She's, I've talked about how she's one of my favorite Marvel characters for a long time. I always brought it up and it's just really great to kind of finally see her get there. And I love the fact that they put it into the, uh, I love that they put it in a dialogue that she's literally the most powerful character. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've been, I've been, you know, championing that for a while when, you know, when she got introduced, I'm like, Oh man, she's the most powerful character in the Marvel universe. They're putting her in the movies and people are always looking at me weird. I'm like, you don't understand. You don't read comics, which brings me back to the point. (laughs) Read comics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, All right. So let's hit the news then, man, since that kind of, I mean, I don't, unless you watch anything else you wanted to talk about, but let's hit the news. No, that's it for me now. So, yeah, okay. let's go for it. All right. So there's a couple quick ones. Uh, first off, in the world of us getting our lives back to normal after COVID, since we are recording this episode on the one year anniversary of the COVID pandemic, um, there's been talk about some things coming back. And I've been seeing on the news that, like, for example, like the Chicago Auto Show is considering putting uh, going to run in July, potentially no official word yet kind of thing. So they're trying to get us back to a normal semblance of life. That being said, E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, or the largest video game convention in of the year, has been officially canceled Um and, and it'll be a fully digital E3 like it was last year. So um, I'm not surprised that that's happening because right now in the world, um, California, where they host the convention, is uh, the hotbed or ground zero at the moment for the pandemic. So um, I'm not surprised that that's the case. Um, yeah, I'm not really surprised either. I feel like we're still, as much as it sucks to say, I feel like we're still probably another year out before some of these big conventions are going to be back to how they used to be. Um, and it's, I really am sorry to say that, like, it's so disappointing, but at the same time, it's, what are you going to do? You know, it's, it's really hard to put a event like this together right now. And of course there's the massive safety concerns of it all. Um, (laughs) the other day I was like on a walk at one of my breaks at uh at work and i was thinking to myself for some reason i was thinking about conventions and i was like 
I wonder if you could do like an outdoor, like socially distanced convention where you just rent out like a huge plot of land and just did like an outdoor convention. But I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's probably a massive undertaking. But what, I just I'm ready for cons to come back is really what, all. It what will happen is that convention will turn into what many Star Wars fans remember as Star Wars Celebration one which ended up being an outdoor convention and everyone remembers it as the mud convention or this is <laughs> actually a name for it because it was just like everything got so muddy because I guess some rain came in and then you're outside walking around and like all the paths like it's just just like everything got everything was just gross. Um, yeah, everyone has fond memories of it, but it was the mud and Jar Jar Binks action figures. That's all anyone remembers from that convention. <laughs> Because <laughs> they overproduced, that's awesome. They overproduced the Jar Jar Binks action figures, so they were everywhere. Um, at any rate, so let's move on. Um, District Nine, probably one of the greatest science fiction movies on the face of the planet. One that I actually refer to as a perfect film. I don't say that often. Um, looks like Neil Blomkamp will be working on a sequel called District Ten. Huh, okay. Um, I am all for more of this because that was such a unique world and it was such a unique take on that subject matter and all that stuff and the social commentary of it. And I would love to go back into that world and see what's going on. However, that movie was such a perfect movie. Part of me is like, no, 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 don't mess with it. I don't know if you have thoughts. I just <laughs> um, it caught my attention when I was pulling up the news stories. So, yeah, I feel a little bit the same, like. This is really cool that they're doing this, um, but it is like a little bit like don't screw it up. But at the same time, I laughed at the title like District 10 just because I was like, really, they're just going to name it another district. But at the same time, I do appreciate the branding aspect of it where it's just you have the two movies, you know, you watch District 9 first and District 10 after that. I'm like a big fan of uh movie series kind of having that sort of part one, two, three, like that really um, concise, uh, accessible labeling system for their titles. I kind of get really annoyed with, you know, like Scream 5 is just going to be called Scream. Is that correct? If yeah. I remember that correct. And that I just think is obnoxious because, you know, there's going to be somebody looking these movies on Prime, you know, 10 years in the future or something. And they're going to be like, I really want to watch Scream, but I don't know which Scream I'm supposed to watch. Which one's the first one? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think that stuff's obnoxious. So I do appreciate the branding uh, aspect of the title. Uh, sorry to go on my little soapbox there. It's just something oh. I, I really appreciate when uh, a movie series is easy to decipher in that way. Yeah, and I totally agree with you on that scream thing, but I also agree with you. Like, I just everything you just said, I agree with. But the uh, like, my issue is just I don't know. Like, don't mess with. I mean, it is Neil Blomkamp, so he's coming back and working on his own property, so you can't really complain. But it's also like, no, 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 don't break it. Because well, I, I do see. Oh. So District Nine to me is uh, there's this really big um, issue of the uh, you know these this alien race coming to Earth, and they kind of are in a way, sort of like uh, refugees almost. Um, and there's it's kind of this big kind of social political dilemma. And the movie kind of zeroes in on this one character who ends up uh, turning into one of these alien creatures and kind of his story. And it's a very like it's a really cool, poignant uh 
dare I say, romantic uh, story. But I do think there's a bigger social issue going on in the background that I do think they could explore. You know, there's more things to explore, you know, within that concept besides just like this one character's story that we focused on in the first movie. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So so I'm, I, I, I guess I'm kind of open for this sequel. You know, I think it'll be cool, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Well, um, in terms of waiting and seeing, I got two. <laughs> I got two of them for you. Um, apparently, this is a rumor, so I don't know if this is actually a true or not. But Hal Jordan will it reportedly appear in HBO Max's Green Lantern television series. Um, Hal Jordan being the main character of uh, the Green Lantern movie that everyone whines and moans about with Ryan Reynolds. I, yeah, of course. I liked the Green Lantern movie for the most part. There's like maybe 10 minutes of the end that I have a problem with. But ultimately, I enjoyed the movie. Um, so I'm not opposed to this. The It doesn't necessarily, like I said, this is a rumor. So it doesn't necessarily say if Ryan Reynolds is coming back. But it says Al Jordan will reportedly appear in a, the Green Lantern series. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know how you do a Green Lantern movie. So it's the Green Lantern core. So it's going to be multiple Green Lanterns because they're technically space police, right? Yeah. I don't know how you do Green Lantern without Hal Jordan. You can. Mm -hmm. I just, in a world where he's like, it's like Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart are the most popular of the Green Lanterns. I feel like if you're going to do a Green Lantern show, you got to have those two. How do you do it without them? Um, Like I said, you can do it, but I just don't understand how you, you know what I mean? It's. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, Hal Jordan is also my favorite, so it's just like, yeah, put him in the show, of course, you know. So, yeah, um, no, I, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. That's why, like, you mentioned this, and I kind of felt like, oh, that's news, you know. But uh, yeah. it is like, uh, it is cool to hear. Do we know uh, what Green Lantern they're going to be focusing on on in the show, or is it just going to be gonna an be, ensemble sort of thing? It sounds like it's going to be ensemble because they said it's the Green. The show is called the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. Uh, so I'm willing to bet you. I mean, I, I'd be willing to bet you Kilowog is going to be there and um, Kilowog for sure. Um, I don't. But it'll, I have a feeling it'll be primarily the Earth Green Lanterns. Um, I'm trying to think like what are their like Kilowog's the big one in terms of the mm-hmm. eight ones. So I don't know. Because I don't, we don't know if they're gonna die. We're, we don't know if they're gonna do a real deep dive and hit you with, and you're gonna get the red lanterns and the yellow lanterns and so on, and like you're see the full society of the color spectrum when you break down where the lanterns and all that stuff. So, um, we could, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I just, I was like, if you're gonna do it, Hal Jordan, sure. Even if you recast him, Hal Jordan, let's do it. Let's get it done. Yeah. Well, well, you mentioning the different lantern colors and uh, all the different alien characters that are part of the Green Lantern uh, mythos. I'm really excited. Like, I hope this show takes off and gets really popular because I'm really excited to hear like, you know, normie people at work talking about like which lantern color they prefer, you know, like all this, like because Green Lantern is just uh, the Green Lantern core, like just as like in the comics, there's so much lore there and you can get super nerdy with it. And I'm kind of hoping it gets to be that sort of game of Thrones level. Like even like all the normies, you know, are still talking about these really esoteric, like green lantern concepts. I think that would be really great. (laughs) 
Yeah, the um, when they well, the other thing that I think would be really great about it is when you looked at the um, the Green Lantern uh, when they redid the um, I don't know where to uh, when they read when they did the regrant the Green Lantern Rebirth. This was before DC's Rebirth event they did, but they did a book called Green Lantern Rebirth, which was kind of like a sort of a restart for that character. Um, and they got into the different colors like the red lanterns and the yellows and yellow lanterns and the star sapphires and the orange lantern and stuff. Um, when they got into all that, you couldn't go to a comic con without seeing the rainbow, like walking around because everyone was wearing different colored green lantern shirts all over the place. Um, <laughs> like, you know, and you'd, you'd be, you'd be lucky if you were the one guy wearing the orange lantern shirt because there's only one orange lantern. Um, so that'd be, really, <laughs> it'd be really cool to see, like, actually get to Larfreeze in the show just because he's the only Lawrence Lantern and why. And it's just a really cool backstory and stuff. So uh, absolutely. But, yeah, I just think it'd be cool. So we'll see what happens um, in another world of let's see what happens. Um, we have another Star Wars show that is rumored to be in development. Um, and when I say rumored, um, I didn't find much on this series, but. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, of course, why wouldn't you do this? However, this is not coming from Lucasfilm. It is not a direct from the horse's mouth. And when it comes to Star Wars, if it doesn't come from the horse's mouth, it is not true until it is from them directly. Um, but reportedly, there is a Luke Skywalker series in development at Lucasfilm for Disney+. Plus. Um, because of what happened at the end of The Mandalorian – I don't see why you wouldn't do this because, of course, why not? Let's do it and get it done. Um, that's really all I got in that aspect. So, uh, that's really exciting. Um, it sounds like if it's within the same timeline as the Mandalorian and we're dealing with young Luke, it sounds like there's going to be a huge CGI budget. But I mean, who doesn't want to see a Luke? you know, series like that sounds awesome and uh, hopefully it's good, but yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting. I don't know what to say about it at this point, but just like I'm on board, you know, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am on too. I I'm on board as well. I hope that's the thing because I think it'd be awesome. Um, but I'm not holding my breath about it just because I, I Lucasone's got to make the announcement. They laid out 10 projects for us and then suddenly this side one just randomly shows up and you're like, Oh, there's a Luke Skywalker series coming. So, yeah. I don't. um, all right, final story of the night and then we'll talk our list. So this one, Peter, I'm kind of interested to see what you got to say about it. There is a, um, reportedly a new Superman movie in development. Um, I assume you've heard about this. Um, yeah, this is interesting because, and this is the weird thing. Okay. So Superman reboot, uh, with Taishi Coates has been tapped to write the script for a new Superman film for DC and Warner Brothers. And you're just like, sweet. Um, it'll be produced by J.J. Abrams. Uh, has confirmed that she will be writing uh, a Superman reboot for Warner Brothers in which J.J. Abrams is producing under his bad robot label. Um, Hannah Mignella will serve as a producer. Uh, no plot yet, no attachments, despite the fact that we've heard how Henry Cavill is Henry Cavill is eager to get back into the cape. Um, here's the messed up part. Um, Coates is attached to a Ryan Coogler directed drama featuring uh, entitled Wrong Answer about a math teacher in Atlanta who, scandal, who scandalized 
when it looks to get funded for her school by altering a student's test scores. Michael G. B. Jordan is attached to this movie, Wrong Answer. We've heard in the past that Michael B. Jordan wants to play Black Superman. There's mm-hmm. not necessarily a problem with that. I don't have a problem with Black Superman. What I have a problem with is the internet going, hey, we're going to do a Black Superman movie, and you have Henry Cavill going, I'm not done playing Superman, and you have the internet going, more Henry Cavill, more Henry Cavill, more Henry Cavill, with and the Snyder Cut about to happen, and then they announce they're going to do a Superman movie, but they're not going to use Henry Cavill. So the weird part is, is that a lot of the reports say it's going to be Black Superman. Here's what I'm going to say. And then, Peter, you're the big Superman fan, so I'll let you run with it and give me your opinion. But here's what I'm going to say. There's – if you read comic books, <laughs> <laughs> there is – you have – we exist in a DC multiverse, and they've been very clear about DC multiverse. Flash is going to be – it's all about the multiverse and with the Flash film coming. We have the Snyder Cut, which we don't know what's going to happen with that movie. We could be hit. We could be walking into the Snyder Cut with a, and everyone needs to brace themselves for a massive cliffhanger that you will not get resolved because Warner Brothers doesn't have faith in the Snyder Cut as a movie. And the big thing on the internet right now is restore the Snyder Cut. So we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen with Henry Cavill, even though he says he wants to do more. In the comic books, you have your regular Superman that we all know and love. But on another Earth, there is a black Superman. And it's really cool. It's really well done. And it's awesome. Because we have the Batman with Robert Pattinson, and they very clearly stated that that's Earth 2, this could be the Earth 2 Superman. Which would be awesome, because if we're dealing with a multiverse, we could end up with two Supermans on screen, everybody. So you all need mm-hmm. to relax, and it's going to be great. You know what I mean? And that's where I think we need to kind of cool it when people – like, because the internet's being weird. It's like, this is awesome, and then you have people screaming because Henry Cavill is still Superman. Like, what's going on? And there's been reports that he reached out to Marvel going – saying, they don't want me anymore. What do you guys got for me? And I don't know if that's true either. So – uh, the internet's being really goofy right now in terms of rumors, but that's my thoughts on it. I think it'd be great, but there's a world where it works. So can we make it work? Like this is that, can we get out of our cake and eat it too kind of thing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> where I think we can because of that multiverse aspect. And I think people need to like, they haven't taught us about like Marvel taught us about continuity and how to watch stuff. And DC is about to teach us about a multiverse. You know what I mean? So, like, the average viewer doesn't understand what's going on yet. So, go ahead, run with it. Tell me what you think. Well, I kind of agree with everything you just said there. Um, because, like, so, I, where should I start? Okay, so the Henry Cavill thing. The thing I keep going back to is I remember when Man of Steel came out and I watched the movie and it blew me away because of just how serious seriously and epically and everything was taken in regards to superman and i loved that movie and i loved batman v superman and i'm lucky enough to actually see that trilogy completed with uh the snyder cut that's coming out very soon so i love henry cavill in that role but i'm at the same time i don't know what's going to happen with him being in you know, future Superman movies, but at least, you know, my favorite Superman live action story so far is actually coming to completion. At the same time, I've also, I remember reading, uh, 
I remember it was in the New 52. I want to say the action comics uh, in the New 52 uh, comics that DC put out. There would be, you'd have your uh, main story that was like, you'd buy an issue of action comics and you had your main story that, you know, centered around uh, Clark Kent and Metropolis and all that. And then at the back of the... uh, at the back of the issue, there was a couple pages that was an alternate Earth where it did have a black Superman and it did have a couple pages uh, every issue that was going on that character and his story. And it was kind of this thing where it's like, oh, this is cool because I love superheroes and I love Superman and this is another version and you're getting another story. And uh, I've said it before on the show and I'll keep saying it. I love multiple versions of things. So. I love that we have, you know, if you go back to the movie Superman 2, you have the theatrical version of that. But then you also have the Donner cut of that movie, which came out much later. But at the same time, it's another version of the movie and it's another it's more details and aspects of a different version of that story that we get to enjoy. And it becomes part of our eternal and nerdy conversation that we have with each other while we're waiting in line to get into Comic-Con or whatever it is. And so I'm, I'm honestly all for as many different (laughs) versions of my favorite characters that they want to throw at me. You know, while there's these, these two movie universes that may or may not be connected coming out, there's also on CW, there's a new Superman show that so far I've been enjoying a lot. So uh, I mean, I might be in a world where I get three versions of Superman and I get to pick and choose the different aspects from each one that are my favorites. And so I'm just kind of all for wherever they go with this. Um, Last thing last thing I'd like to say is I don't think it's even been confirmed that this movie is going to have a black Superman. You know, Michael B. Jordan hasn't been confirmed as this character. So a lot of this is just rumors um, at this point, like unconfirmed rumors that are kind of going wild on the internet. Um, And so I can kind of look at it as far as just what I do know, which I actually am not super familiar with the writer on this uh, new Superman project, but I can look at JJ Abrams who's producing it. And JJ Abrams has done a couple things that I don't like, but for the most part, I've enjoyed most of the movies and shows that he's put out. So I'm optimistic here and I'm excited. And like I said, even if this new Superman movie comes out and I don't like it, there's still a current live action Superman on the CW that I'm really enjoying. So I'm I'm not going to complain about this. I'm just kind of optimistic and excited. And uh, I don't really know what else to say. I just think uh, I just think it's an exciting time. You know, as it's been for a while, but it's an exciting time to be a DC fan and a comic book fan. So, yeah, I agree. agree. Well, how about this? Um, Since we're already talking about DC, you want to talk a little heavier about it and talk some comic books and Justice League stuff and run our list for the night? (laughs) Sure thing. Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Um, So, Ryan, it's list time. Do me a favor and uh, roll the thing. for the top five we're back um peter uh this was my pick for the night um i was just 
So this list came across my mind because we're ramping. We're getting so close to the Snyder Cut. And I'll be honest, I have been getting more and more into the DC Universe Infinite app on my phone. <laughs> and nice. I have been reading a ton. Um, I did uh, <laughs> in the in the world of so it's what it's seven ninety nine a month, right? So the price is two potentially three comics, depending on how you what you pick and choose at the comic book store. So what two maybe three issues? In that time of the month, I read through sixty books. <laughs> so um, that being said. I was able to read 60 books for the price of three. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it was, I'm just getting more and more comfortable with it. And I'm reading a lot at like lunch and you know, you're sitting in the grocery store and you flip through a few panels, you know, that kind of thing where you're waiting in line to pay. So it's just, it's goofy. Like the way, like I've gotten more and more accustomed to reading it that way. And I actually look forward to uh, playing with the app as opposed to playing a game or like looking through social media and stuff. It's awesome. Um, yeah, that's great. So that being said, um, it made me think about Justice League and in terms of like just because I've been reading a lot of comics, we got Snyder Cut coming. I was like, let's talk about our favorite Justice League stories because we don't know what all Snyder's putting into that film yet. So there could be some stuff we talk about tonight that could end up in that film, which would be kind of cool. Um, I doubt it, but we don't know. Um, I just don't know where he's pulling a lot of his source material from because he's really into source material, but we don't know what books he's looking at. Uh, so I just thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about it. And then uh, we walk into just uh, we walk into Snyder Cut and uh, have some have a good time. So um, I have one honorable mention and I don't actually know the name of the I don't really actually know what to call it. So I actually have a. Because I was I was trying to figure out a way of like <laughs> narrowing down the name of it. So I don't know if you have two of them or not. So what do you got there for me? So um, I, I do have two of them, um, which I could just rattle mine off first and then we could get into your honorable honorable mention. Uh, and the reason I have two of them is because so with this list, there's a couple. I kind of approach the list as just any sort of story that the justice league was involved in could make my list. And, uh, for the most part, especially all my top five are like official justice league stories, but my honorable mentions are a little bit more tertiary, uh, related to the, <laughs> to the justice league. So, um, that's kind of just how I approached it. And that's kind of why they're honorable mentions because they're a little bit more vague, but at the same time, it's still like two of the things that are, you know, my favorite things that the Justice League was involved in. And this will make sense as I keep going. But my first honorable mention is the death of Superman, um, that uh, that whole comic arc, because we all know that that giant battle between Superman and Doomsday, where they both um, they both basically kill each other at the same time with these epic punches at the end. And it's it's a great story. But before Doomsday and Superman had that final battle. Uh, the Justice League did try to take out Doomsday. And it's kind of uh, fun going back and reading that because it, they're 90s comics. And it's kind of like the second string of the Justice League. Like, I don't think any yeah. of the main, you know, none of the original seven Justice League characters were involved. You know, you're, you're looking at like firestorm and blue beetle and uh booster gold and some other characters fighting doomsday but i still just really loved that story and that part of the story because i loved the 
I love in Justice League stories when they do bring in sort of the random adjacent characters who you don't ever see, but then you're just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. They're, you know, they have a membership to the Justice League, but um, it's also, uh, I don't know, I, I just love that aspect, like, okay, the Justice League couldn't take Doomsday down, so <laughs> who's up next, you know, who else, who's the next person Doomsday is going to destroy, so that one I just thought was really fun. Um, I don't know if you have any comments on this one at all uh, before I um, move on. I, I was just going to bring up, that's like your, I, I like how you said second string Justice League <laughs> <laughs> best way of wording it because that's essentially what it was it was like it was like guy gardner and ice and fire and like characters yep. that you were like this isn't the justice league but at the time <laughs> 90s comics that was the justice league and then you know because it wasn't it wasn't till after the 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 justice league that most people know i would say falls onto the justice league animated series yeah uh, and like that team, that lineup, that kind of thing. When you break down, when you look at that, that comes from the Grant Morrison run of Justice League from the 90s. Um, that didn't take place until after the death of Superman, the death and return of Superman, and then the whole nightfall thing with Batman and whatnot. So um, that was a specific time period. Um, and we might be talking more about that specifically later. On, but. <laughs> Well, uh, I will I will say another version of the Justice League that I think people harken back to a lot is uh, not officially the Justice League, but kind of all the characters who are on the Super Super Friends show from uh, whenever that cartoon came out, because I feel like the Super Friends, you know, they were called the Super Friends, but it was really a Justice League cartoon. And I think that's a lot of people uh, who are older than me grew up with that show. And I think that's kind of like their justice league team. They think of all the time. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if uh, you had more to say, or if I should go into my next honorable mention, uh, hop into your next honorable mention. Cause it'll just roll into it'll, it, as far as the way we play our game, it will, it'll work out. So, yeah. So the next one I went with is, uh, Young Justice, uh, just the series as a whole. And this is another one where it's, yeah, the focus of the show is on the younger sidekick characters, but there's members of the Justice League making appearances in every single episode of this show. And the whole show is about them training Young Justice as like, you know, a new team of up and coming heroes. And uh, there's some great moments like there's one there's one episode where. The Justice League. So the the way the episode goes is the Justice League was taken out by an alien invasion and basically all the members of Young Justice have to step up and basically become the Justice League. And at the end of the show, you find out that it was actually like a simulation that the Justice League was putting the characters through. Um, but I just think the show is filled with a bunch of really good Justice League moments like that. So I just had to mention this one, even though it's a bit of a cheat. Uh, what were you going to say, though? It, I feel it, is, like I, it is a bit of a cheat because it's essentially the Teen Titans. And that's what I want. Pe I was going to mention that people like Young Justice is referring to a form of the Teen Titans. It's just Young Justice was the title of the show, if that makes sense. Yeah, but but okay. at the same time, I just it, I feel like there's so much core Justice League stuff and characters in the show. And it's like also just one of my favorite animated series ever like i just had to mention it sort of thing if that makes sense and it's an honorable mention so bite me <laughs> yeah no, 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 no no i get you i i totally understand i just was like i when you said it i was like let's make sure everyone understands that young justice is 
essentially the Teen Titans. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you there. Just for the sake of uh, the conversation. Um, so my first my my honorable mention uh, is from the Justice League Unlimited animated series. Um, I don't I, the reason I don't know what to call it is because it ultimately boils down to they did a story arc specifically focusing on Cadmus. Uh, Cadmus being the government or agency that um, is being run by Amanda Waller and her ultimate goal is to take down the Justice League, I guess. I'm not entirely sure if she wants to take him down or work against them or just learn their secrets so she can deal with them later. But she's also the one that puts together uh, uh, the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. But um, Amanda Waller um, in the Cadmus arc, there's this big like battle sequence. And this is the thing that really gets, this is the one that really gets me is this is massive battle sequence. The justice league is trying to shut it down and everything. And, uh, Superman has to battle doomsday, which is ultimately, uh, the creature that killed him is back. And Superman has to battle him. And they decide the only way to take out doomsday is to shoot it with a uh, nuclear weapon. Um, and so they fire the nuclear weapon, but because they're battling within a volcano, a nuclear weapon in a volcano will um, basically that like super volcano level. And um, Batman realizes he's going to have to stop said nuclear weapon because no one else can get to it fast enough because Superman's dealing with the monster and everything. Um, one of my favorite parts about that story is that at the end, so Batman stops the nuclear weapon, but literally at a cost to his own life. And mm-hmm. there's the scene at the end where and I, I just love this scene because uh, Batman's clearly pissed off and Superman's trying to apologize. Like, a, like it's the I'm sorry, but thank you so much. And Batman just he's got this moment where he just kind of looks at Superman and he's just like, I dodged a bullet for you today or I took a bullet for you today kind of moment. And it's just the dialogue is so brilliantly written in that scene um, that that that's that scene alone is why uh I had to pick this one and had to throw it in there. So nice. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, first actual pick of the night, I guess. Is that where we're at? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, my next actual pick is, uh, the only one that I don't consider this a cheat, but you might. Um, and Uh-oh. that is, uh, the injustice, uh, comics. Um, I guess you could include the game, in this story as well, but I went oh. specifically with the comics because gotcha. that's what I've read more of. Um, and this is oh, what's that? It's, it's essentially Justice League. I get you. I see. What yeah. You're and it's it's kind of an world story where um, the best way to explain it is if you've seen Batman v Superman and you see the uh, nightmare sequence from that movie where Superman is like kind of this evil authoritarian leader in the future and stuff. It's kind of the story that led up to that. Um, And this is just, uh, I just think it's a really good comic series um, with a lot of just like, I remember when this was coming out, it was DC. It was like, I remember hearing about how it was, if not the number one, it was one of DC's most popular comic books at the time. And reading through it, you can really tell why, because there's so much. I don't want to say fan service because I know we don't like that term on this show, but there's so many good moments in the series because what has to happen to get uh, Superman to kind of have a more authoritarian and uh, I guess like stance as far as like being anti-war and anti-violence and like the dark places that can go. 
you know, there's some bad stuff that needs to happen for Superman to take that direction. And I think because you're dealing with kind of a different universe where you can do whatever you want, it allows for a lot of crazy stuff to happen. And uh, there's just some really, really wild moments like the one that everybody knows because I've seen it in a lot of memes and stuff shared online. But the part where Superman goes and he kills uh the Joker, just like in cold blood, like he shows no remorse and he kills the Joker. And a lot of you people who like if you haven't read the the series, you've seen that image online like a million times, probably on different comic book groups and stuff that that uh, you follow. And it's it's just moments like that where it's just like. This is really crazy. I never thought I'd be reading this, but it's really interesting to the places they explore with the story. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is just the way the, the story goes, like on a sort of political level, kind of feels really real. And there's like a lot of it just feels like there's a lot of consequence to a lot of the actions the characters take. Um, and the, I think overall, like the artwork in the series is pretty good, too. Like I'm not in love with every issue, but for the most part, like the main artists on the series are like pretty good in my opinion. So Drew, I don't know if you've read Injustice or if you have any thoughts on it, but uh I have yeah, not just, read the comics, but I have played the games. Um, yeah, so so you're you're like familiar with the story and uh it's kind of cool how it factors into the uh sort of Snyder cut or Snyder verse or whatever you want to call it. And I can't wait to see how that all plays out. But uh, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I didn't know if you had more to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I totally understand what you're saying there. The um, I just haven't I just haven't read the book, so I don't have a lot to say about it. The mm -hmm. games are a lot of fun, though. Yeah. And the books are probably on the DC comics app <laughs> that you've they, been reading, right? <laughs> I actually haven't gone looking for them. I was. Uh, yeah. I yeah, I can. I'll tell you offline what I'm like. Reading. It's kind of funny. <laughs> like so. Um, OK, nice. So, um, all right, uh, where were we at? Uh, my first actual pick of the night. Um, so I had to pull, I had to pull a couple like show notes for you. Cause I was like, how do I word these, some of these? So uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is a book called Trinity, Trinity war. Um, this, this comes from the new 52, um, era. Um, okay. this, um, Trinity war was one of the, it was a major crossover event that was like when, New 52 started. Um, there was some stuff. They had these moments at the end of every book that was talking about this girl, Pandora, who has this like skull she's carrying around and um, which essentially is Pandora's box, if you will. Yeah. Um, and she's basically carrying around this like skull and like she like it's she's clearly like in trouble. But she's like a, this tertiary background character. You're not really sure, but you're getting these glimpses of like things she's doing. And she's wandering in and out of like things happening within what's going on. And eventually um, it runs into the fact that it's a crossover event where and it's involving the Trinity of Sin. So it's like Pandora and like a couple other characters form this like Trinity and their powers are kind of like being split, I guess you could say. And it ends up being this like weird, like crossover battle between the Justice League the Justice League of America, Justice League Dark, the Secret Society of Supervillains, and the Crime Syndicate, which would be from Earth 2, Earth 3, Earth 3, uh, which is Owlman, right. Superman, um, Ultraman, those characters, and um, 
it's it's such a fun read from beginning to end, and that's where you get to introduce the characters like Atomica, who's like the female version of the Atom from Earth Three, and like, oh nice. <laughs> um, it's there's some really cool cool moments, and it's such an exciting like piece to read. So um, I highly recommend reading it. Um, but yeah, so Trinity War, that's the one. That's my first pick for the night. So nice. That's um, I I remember I read like the first couple. Uh, Justice League story arcs in the new 52. I think I might have quit before this one, but it sounds really cool. Um, so, yeah, I'll keep that keep that in mind. Um, I don't know if you had more to say about that one or if I should go into my next. Oh, go ahead. My next pick. OK, so my next one is actually also from the new 52. Um, and this is uh, it's kind of just that first justice league story arc uh from the new 52 um it was also basically the justice league war movie kind of covers the same plot and it's kind of this one is kind of funny to me because it's not necessarily the greatest comic like it's not like i don't think it's like the greatest storyline ever but it's for me it was kind of a really fun read that first new 52 story arc where it has the parademons and they face up face off against dark side at the end and stuff. And it's got that great Jim Lee artwork. Like the artwork was beautiful. And this is just kind of one where I really appreciate the accessibility of this uh, comic story because I know a lot of friends who have read this and like, they all love it. And it has that sort of great, uh, I almost want to say like MCU level of, uh, you know, mixture between action and humor. And it's kind of one of those stories where, to me, I feel like if somebody doesn't read a lot of superhero comics and they kind of want to try it out to see if they like it, I feel like you could give them the first volume of the new 52 Justice League and be like, here, read this. Let me know what you think. And I feel like it's accessible in that way where they would just be like, yeah, this is great. Like, you know, it, it gives a good introduction to all the characters like it has a good story. The artwork's awesome. And that's kind of why I picked it, because I don't think this is like the greatest comic ever but it's also like i just kind of really like it at the same time as well um drew i don't know if you have any thoughts on this pick specifically but uh this is, yeah this is a good this is a good one to talk about because it kind of leads into my next pick for the night um, oh nice this the that specific book is uh and the on the comic side it's called justice league origin um okay. essentially yeah is, you don't realize right away and i think a lot of people don't i don't I wonder if DC planned on it this way or if like if it was planned out to be this or if it was more of a um, happenstance that it worked out this way. But it essentially um, they are uh, this was basically the beginning of the Justice League, but everything's different. So like you've been reading about them for years and years and years. And then this happens and you're like, wait, what happened? But this took was picked up where Flashpoint left off. So essentially if you think about it, like Flashpoint, because of the time travel stuff, it's it's all predicated on that first. So like um, Flash screwed things up in the timeline and here he is um, and here you are in this whole new alternate reality, if you will. So that's why everything's different. Um, Justice League War, you know, being an origin film and Darkseid being the bad guy, that's awesome. But because that started, that was kind of like the beginning of the new 52 um, the new 52 is if you, as you read through it, no matter how you stray, whether you're reading Batman, Superman, Birds of Prey, Suicide Squad, Supergirl, Green Lantern, it doesn't matter. However, you stray through the thing, it all kind of culminates and comes back. And the final parts of um, 
uh, New 52 are the one I'm picking. It was my next pick called Dark Side War, which is the end of the New 52, um, where it kind of culminates with Dark Side and his daughter Grail and um, him trying to like basically take back. And this is where Batman sits in the uh, Metron chair and finds out that there's three Jokers and um, he gets the power of the God and finds out that there's three Jokers out there. So when he asks what the Joker's real name is, the chair's like, which one? And he's like, that can't be. And like, it kind of fully sets up what we would then know as the next DC event, Rebirth. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, if you haven't read Dark Side War and you liked um, the Justice League beginning to the New 52, you need to read Dark Side War. It's so good. So... Yeah, like like I said, I think I might have stopped. I think I stopped reading the new 52 by the time it got to Dark Side War. <laughs> so I, okay. I it definitely sounds awesome. Um, and I like all the things that you mentioned. And it just makes me think about how when you read like a graphic novel or a, I guess I should say a trade paperback or story arc from DC. Like I feel like DC as a company has a really good way of putting a lot of weight on the events um, in their comics, because we all know that, you know, serialized superhero comic books are always stuck. What do they say? They're always stuck in act two. You know, you never get a full resolution because the story has to continue. And act one started way so long ago. So you have to do all these clever things to keep it exciting because every issue you're still on act two over and over again. And I feel like DC does overall does a really good job of like you read a trade paperback or a graphic novel and you actually feel like some weight and consequence in that story, even though a lot of times, you know, things get reversed and stuff like that. But I do think the company in general does a really good job of like just making you feel like what you read was worthwhile. Um, Drew, I know we've talked about this in the past, so I feel like you do kind of agree with me there. Um, but yeah, I, Listening to you talk, it just kind of is, is making me go like, I need to go read <laughs> Dark Side War sort of thing, you know? It's really good. Even if you don't read the stuff leading up to the stuff going on, like you can pick up Dark Side War and you essentially know the players. So it's easy to read at that point. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, all right, man, what's your next pick? Since we are on this kind of new 52 kick, um, I was going to save this one for a bit. But uh, I had Flashpoint on my list, or I guess I should say specifically the Flashpoint Paradox, the uh, animated movie, because I didn't read the Flashpoint comic books, but I have seen the animated movie. And it's it's one of those things where usually I'll either read or watch a story like I most of the time I don't do both. But uh, yeah, I this is probably my favorite DC animated film, and I think it's just Everything in it is so epic and the uh, time travel aspects um, with the the alternate timelines and stuff are just so like I was going to say fun, but no, they're just so epic and awesome. And my favorite my favorite one, which is probably a lot of other people's favorite one, is the uh, the whole Thomas Wayne being the survivor of uh you know, the mugging at the beginning of Batman's origin story and Thomas Wayne becoming Batman and being that dark brooding hero who's not afraid to kill and stuff. And that was just so cool to see. And what were you going to say? Don't forget, his mom survives, too. She becomes the Joker, man. It's it's chilling. Read that. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I uh, yeah. And um, no, I just think I mean, Drew, you probably have more to say on this story from like the comic aspect, but just from like an animated movie. Like I just thought this was just so well done and everything 
it feels really dark, but at the same time, it does have that superhero uh, funness to it. But it's just everything just feels so epic in the story. And it's kind of funny because like Superman is my favorite superhero and obviously my favorite hero in the Justice League. And in the Flashpoint Paradox, he's kind of like a weaker version of himself and he's not. He's not as big of a player in that story, but I just think from a storytelling standpoint, like this story is so moving and so good that I just I love it. Like, I just think it's a great uh, it's a great story, you know, in and of itself. So, no, I hear you. Um, Flashpoints. We've talked heavily about Flashpoint. We're going to be talking a lot more when the movie comes out. So, um, yeah. Awesome. All right. (laughs) So my next pick of the night is a book called. Um, the Tornado's Path. It's uh, Justice League of America, The Tornado's Path. This takes place before Flashpoint. Um, okay. This takes place actually right after. Um, so DC did a big event called uh, Infinite Crisis, uh, which was kind of like a history repeated <sighs> kind of a event where um, uh, and so like everyone everyone's familiar with Crisis on Infinite Earths. And um, because they, you know, the CW did their big crossover and stuff. But that's one of the big famous crossover events that DC has from back from the 80s. They had like this history repeats itself sort of event. And it was really like an intricate story as to how it all played out and picked up kind of on the heels of where that original event happened. At the end of it, Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman are missing. And big and then. All then there's a whole year with no Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman. They're completely gone for like a full year in the DC timeline. And when they come back, the three of them sit down and they have a conversation about reforming the Justice League. And it's a pick and choose like who should be on the Justice League. And the book is called The Tornado's Path because in the midst of them picking out their new members of the Justice League and trying to form the new team, um, Red Tornado is being built and he becomes kind of like out of control and they have to deal with it. Um, And then in the midst of all of that, the team gets formed um, and Batman points out that sometimes you can't pick the team sometimes or it's not sometimes you don't pick the family members. Sometimes they choose you. And it's that moment where you get you. And when he says that you have the new team in place. Um, and you're just like, oh, hey, that's awesome. And then that becomes your Justice League team leading up to the events of Flashpoint. Um, but it's a really cool, like, touching book. It was written by Brett, it was written by Brad Messler, who's a novelist and before a comic book writer. So, like, yeah. some of that novelist writing gets put into the um, comic aspect of it. So um, it's a good book. Interesting. Yeah, I I wasn't familiar with this one, but it sounds really cool. And I really love that aspect of like, sometimes you don't get to the get to pick the family, the family picks you. And um, I do I do like Red Tornado a lot, too. I think he's a interesting character and kind of like not only in his power set and how that's implemented, but uh, he's just an interesting character that I don't think maybe doesn't get used enough as well. So um, there's just some cool moments in it where Superman suggests Supergirl as one of the candidates for the new league and Batman are like, absolutely not. She's too unpredictable. Yeah. You know, and Superman's like, what are you talking about? And she'll like, you may, you may, you know, she's family. So you have a biased opinion, but her powers are unpredictable and unchecked. You know what I mean? So like they're playing it safe, like not putting her on the team. So, you know, it's just interesting, like how they 
when you get to those conversations. So anyway. Absolutely. Uh, um, I guess I can move into my next one, um, yeah. which I picked the, uh, I don't, the, well, I don't know if it came, it probably came out in issue form, but I know it as the graphic novel justice, um, which the art was done by Alex Ross. He also had a part in the story. Um, I can't remember the writer off the top of my head. So I feel bad about that, but have you read this Drew before? Drew? Uh, I, read, I read part of it. Uh, just, it was coming out when, um, there was my life kind of took a curveball at that point. So I was like yeah. real busy with some things. So like I read about half of it and then I had to stop reading it and then I never had a chance to pick it back up, but um, it's on my list of books to read. And that's yeah. the Alex Ross artwork. I just, that's what drew me to it originally. So I actually own about half of the run. So, okay. I, I, I do have a graphic novel of it that I can let you borrow, but we can talk about that more <laughs> off, off air. Um, but, I, but I'll say like, so this comic, I do think it's an interesting concept because it's really a lot of the villains, like the main villains in the DC universe, uh, are having dreams where they envision this sort of nuclear Holocaust destroying the world. And the reason why this, uh, you know, this nuclear war takes everybody out is because the members of the justice league fail to do their job. They fail to, uh, save everyone and it destroys the world. And because of these visions, a bunch of these villains team up and they come up with a plan to start taking the justice league out. And that's kind of the, the way that all plays out and there's more revealed about the visions and what they are and stuff. And I won't get into any spoilers like that, but this is just kind of a really good story with obviously it's Alex Ross. So the artwork's really good. And I've, I've been somebody who's admired Alex Ross since I've been in junior high. Like he's always been, you know, he's one of the greatest comic book artists of our time for sure. And I think this, I remember reading this book and <laughs> realizing that, just how much um, sort of classic cinema and like 70s science fiction and stuff like, you know, like pre Star Wars level science fiction, like how much those old costumes and stuff um, impacted the uh, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm assuming a little bit, but I see a lot of influence from old sci fi movies and stuff like that on uh Alex Ross's character design and stuff. And this was the story that I was reading where I realized that. So that's just kind of a cool tidbit where, you know, I'm watching uh, Black Manta, like chasing different people around. And I'm like, Black Manta kind of looks like he's out of like a 60s, like sci fi movie. Like that's badass, to be honest, you know. Um, but right. what really sticks with me about this story and uh, Drew, as a Batman fan, I don't know if you got to any of these parts, but I do think you should read this story because what really sticks with me about the justice story is actually a lot of uh, Joker moments, because while all these villains are teamed up to take out the Justice League, Joker never got an invite and um, he catches word of this when uh, one or two of the villains are taken out and they're taken to Arkham Asylum and he's like, why wasn't I invited to take out the Justice League with you guys? And so the Joker kind of is kind of a hero, like a, maybe an anti-hero in this story where he actually does some stuff that leads to the Justice League's uh, victory in the end of the story. And it's really cool. But the concept that I loved about this, this uh, that's within this comic is there's a line of dialogue where the Joker reveals like he's inside Arkham Asylum and he reveals that he can leave Arkham at any time he wants because he's that 
he's that good of a, of a trickster, basically. Like he knows how to get out of his cell. He can leave anytime he wants, but he's just choosing to be an Arkham, you know, at the time. And later in the, in the series, you do see him leave. Um, you do see him outside of Arkham. Like it doesn't explain it. It doesn't show the tricks he had up his sleeve to get out of Arkham, but you just see him outside of Arkham. So you're like, well, I guess he was right. He could leave anytime he wants. And that concept has like stuck with me ever since I've read the story where I just think that's such a badass um, aspect of his character that they added in. Like the Joker is that good. <laughs> he can just leave Arkham anytime he wants. And it totally makes sense when you think of that and then think of uh, just, you know, other appearances of Joker at different parts of, you know, Batman comics or the DC universe. But uh, no, this is just a really good comic overall, but it's really those Joker moments that were so cool that really stuck with me, I would say. So, right. Um, yeah, no, I hear you. And I wish, and I think did I get to the Joker stuff. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, it's, um, I think I got to a little bit of it when I was reading it, but not, too heavily yeah 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 i, I right. hear you yeah i mean it's it's not next time i actually see you in person i can actually like let you borrow that book so um right. if you want to if you want to finish it or whatever but yeah uh what's your next pick well i still have to you have a movie of mine you've had for like ever so um that's true yeah. as well <laughs> Um, I did finally so, watch it, though. So. I know. That's a, it's progress, right? Yeah. Um, yep. Baby steps. So the next one, it's weird. I kind of count this as a cheat because I didn't. It's not listed. It's weird when you look up Justice League story arcs because I was like, there's got to be one I'm missing. So I kind of did some Google research stuff. But this one doesn't come up as list. It listed. It's brought up as a justice league story but i never considered it a justice league story so much as i considered it just a dc story um but it's the book identity crisis um okay this this is if it wasn't a comic book this would be such a phenomenal just novel or movie or something like they totally should do something with this like um in a bigger scale it's it's i would consider it essential reading for the dc universe um it's written by Brad Messler. Um, I don't remember who the artist is. I'm kind of drawing a blank there. But um, essentially, this is a book where um, the elongated man's wife is murdered. Um, and because of family ties and like how the Justice League are with each other and some people like some like characters within the Justice League, no secret identities and that kind of stuff. Um, the elongated man's wife, uh, Sue Dibney new characters identities well if that characters if a loved one and the reason you put the mask on the reason you're a soup when you put a mask on as a superhero you will um you're protecting your loved ones and you know peter parker is a good example of that because he doesn't want anything to happen to mary jane so he's very like keen on keeping his his, his identity secret um and it's no different than clark kent's glasses and stuff like that if they knew who I am in real life, then they could hurt. Then the my enemies would be able to hurt the ones I love. And so someone has learned the secret identity of the elongated man, Ralph Dibney, 
and his wife is murdered and it puts the entire superhero community on high alert and rushing home to their families and making sure everybody's okay. And then the mystery begins. Like who killed Sue Dibney is ultimately the mystery. But then you get roped in with like death strokes in the book and like, like crazy, crazy things happen, but it's still like ultimately the mystery is who actually did it. Um, and following the clues and like, it becomes a legit murder mystery on top of the comic book superhero action. So, um, I consider it essential reading. Everybody needs to read this book. Um, this is uh, spoiler alert. This is the episode. This is the book where uh, Tim Drake, Robin's father, actually dies, making him an orphan, just like the rest of the Robins. Um, it's you know, there's some really, really big things in this series. So, um, but yeah, seriously, check this book out if you have not. So, yeah, awesome. That's it. <laughs> What'd you say? I said that's it. So um, I I assume you have not read it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I haven't read this one unfortunately, um, but I need to. Um, which I knew you were probably going to mention a couple like super epic ones that I just haven't had the chance to read yet. Oh, but uh, it is what it is. Um, <clears throat> I can move into my final pick then, if uh, yep. unless you had more to say. No, go ahead. Okay, so my final pick is, and this is another animated movie, and that is Justice League Doom. But I believe that's based on the Tower of Babel uh, story arc. Yeah. Okay, so so I haven't read the comics, obviously, but I just love this story as far as a Justice League story and a superhero story, and especially a story when you look at the dynamics of my two favorite superheroes, Batman and Superman. Um, this story is just awesome. Um, and essentially, basically this, how the story goes to try to sum sum it up quickly is you have, uh, Vandal Savage and the Legion of doom start taking out, um, different, uh, members of the justice league. Um, like they in really specific ways that kind of play to each character's weakness. Like, uh, the flash kind of gets a, uh, bomb attached to him and it's kind of a speed situation where he can't stop running or else the bomb will explode, explode. And it will also, you know, kill any human within like miles from him and stuff like that. And each character has like this weird specific situation. That's they're kind of being taken out from the Legion of doom with. And while they're dealing with this, um, Batman, uh, it's kind of revealed that Batman has this sort of contingency plan for every Justice League member about how if any of them went evil, he has the plan to take them out and his including, including himself. And that's a yeah. thing to say there. And, so. and, and that, that, that I, I was I was getting to that, but it's basically his uh, database had been hacked by the Legion of Doom and Vandal Savage, and that's what they were using to do, you know, to take everybody out. And since Batman had all these contingency plans, he's kind of the one who kind of has to mastermind how we're going to get each character out of the situation they're in. Um, and, you know, you know, the, the big one that really has a big impact on the plot is uh, Superman ends up kind of being amped. Uh, ambushed by Metallo and he get, ends up getting a uh, shot with a kryptonite bullet by Meta Metallo, which I believe was stolen from Batman, but I'm, I can't remember for sure. Um, so anyways, uh, long story short, once they 
get all the Justice League members out of these crazy situations they're in. Um, and they kind of subdue the Legion of Doom for the time being. The Justice League has a big meeting and Batman reveals like these were all my plans. Like I had these so that we could take you out um, if we had to. And of course, the Justice League is all really pissed off at Batman and uh, they kind of end up um they end up kind of like kicking him out of the Justice League, if I remember correctly. And it was kind of a uh, Superman. I'm, I'm kind of trying to remember how all the 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 plot points line up, because the way this ends, it was just this touching moment. But Batman reveals that the Justice League themselves was the contingency plan in the in the case that Batman went rogue or Batman went evil or corrupt and he needed to be taken out he knew that the justice league as a team would be able to take him out and that's like as they're kicking him batman out of the justice league he reveals that and that's kind of his sort of redeeming grace um you know as you know to show that like no he really does care about these characters and everything he's just trying to look out for the greater good and the people of that's, the world uh, and stuff like that and it's like tony stark's shield around the world thing if you will um or yeah. around the world. It's like we have to be able to protect protect from everything, including ourselves. Yeah. And and so. and, and it's just it, it ends after that's revealed. Um, it, it just ends with this really good moment where Superman gives the kryptonite bullet that he was shot with back to Batman. And it's this moment where Superman is showing, like, I trust you and you were right to have these plans. And as much as it hurts to hear that you had all these plans behind her back. Like I understand the necessity for it. And I trust you so much that I'm going to let you keep this bullet. And I remember watching that and, uh, I didn't roll a tear, but I remember feeling choked up. Like I was like, that is such a beautiful moment between these two characters. Um, it was just awesome. And drew, I, I don't know if I got the, like any of the plot points wrong. Cause it's been a while since I've watched this movie. No, um, I don't know pretty, if you have any comments. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you have any more like comments or what you think about the story, but I just think I like the story overall, but it's just that 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 ending moment just really I just thought was really touching as a Batman and Superman fan. Like it was just perfect. So yeah, I can I can let you talk a bit though. <laughs> I've um, been going no, you, on and on for a while. You kind of hit, hit it all on the top of the head. There's not much more I can say about it other than mm -hmm. the fact that it's fantastic. But yeah. Um and that's and that lends later on to um when you get to the OMAC project, um, because of Batman's, you know, the brother eye uh, that uh, the satellite that he created that stores some of these images, uh, stores some of this information, uh, gets taken over, which ends up creating a breed of super soldiers um, called uh, OMAC um, or the OMAC. And they um, are specifically task uh designed to take out the justice league members or other heroes in the general sense so mm -hmm. uh, but that becomes a later story because batman like doesn't really stop because he's like no you have to we have to be able to take down ourselves because if one of us goes rogue what are we going to do how do we handle it so um luckily there's some easy ones like just take the ring off green lantern's finger but um, <laughs> some, of them, some of them there's some difficult ones so you know who knows um <laughs> All right, so my final pick of the night is Justice League, uh, Rock of All Ages. Have you ever read this? No, I haven't. I know you've you've mentioned it before. Um, this is like, go ahead. 
Oh, no, I, I also know that it's just one of those essential reading Justice League stories that I'm just a horrible person and I haven't read, but I, no, go on. <laughs> no, this is definitely an essential Justice League reading. Yeah. Uh, this is um, one of those, it's another Dark Side book um, where Dark Side has used his anti-life equation to uh, basically take over Earth. And this time he actually succeeds. Um, and it kind of jumps ahead to the future where uh, Earth has been completely taken over by Darkseid and kind of transformed into a version of Apocalypse, Darkseid's home planet. And he and you you have all the Darkseid minions and stuff like that. And Aquaman is mounting Aquaman and Green Lantern are not Green Lantern. Green Arrow are mounting a, um, re- a rescue attempt to kind of get anyone else they can out of Darkseid's uh, grasp and get them off planet and that kind of stuff. And when they go in, you find out that Desaad, um this is kind of big, big spoilers, but um, <laughs> Desaad is like a huge player in this. Dark- Desaad is one of Darkseid's like minions. He's like one of his yeah. like secret advisors or whatever. You'll actually get to see Desaad in the uh, Snyder Cut because we know he's mm-hmm. in there. But um, in this story, Desaad is uh, – you find out that Desaad has been Batman the whole time. Like when Darkseid <laughs> uh, Dark took over the planet, Batman killed Desaad and then used Desaad as a disguise to get close to Darkseid to learn everything he could. So when the time was right, he could strike. So when everyone breaks in to kind of do the rescue attempt or whatever, or escape or whatever, Batman kind of makes himself known – and does everything he can to like, I'll get you guys out. I know everything. I'll help you guys. And he ends up having to sacrifice himself to get everyone to get through this like time portal because Batman found out that like, if I help you, I can get you back to the past so you can stop this from happening because he knows, you know what I mean? <laughs> so Batman knows that they will get back, fix it, and then he'll be alive again, and then you'll go from there. It's one of the coolest uh, – yes, it deals with time travel, but it's such a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Um, so, yeah, Rock of Ages, definitely read that. Well, that just sounds – it sounds awesome. And, like, I don't know what part of the story that uh, Batman decide twist is, but that just sounds – really epic i know i've been saying epic a lot this episode no, so i apologize for that but they are and like you don't and it's cool because you just don't know that it's batman for a really long time yeah and you're like they're like decide is like this heavy player in this story you don't get that very often when you do with dark side's characters um and then suddenly decide like it's like why should we trust you kind of thing and it's like well i'm actually batman kind of moment you know what i mean you're just like what you know so um <laughs> and and that what i was gonna say is like i'm really wanting to read this but i think i need to i need to give it some time so i forget a little bit about that uh twist That's and then i can read it but uh no that sounds like an awesome just story is, overall this is one that i've actually hoped that they would put into a uh animated film or something like that but they just never have so um, but yeah, man, that was my final pick of the night, dude. Um, and it's awesome that we don't, it's, it's weird. We talk comics all the time cause we're talking about it in the news and everything, but it's very, we don't do lists like this where we talk comics a lot. Um, so I just thought it'd be something really fun to do before the Snyder cut hits. 
Um, so what are we doing next week, man? It's your pick. <laughs> well, with that being said, I have something completely out of left field. Uh, this is a weird list, but I know I've asked you about it before, and I think you said you would be cool with it. Um, and I'm thinking about this list a lot because, and I'll get into that a, a little bit later, but because of the how the weather has been getting nicer and stuff, it's been making me think about this. <laughs> and the list I want to do is our top five cryptozoological creatures, um, also known as cryptids. So <laughs> we're talking about like Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, uh, the Chupacabra, <laughs> like stuff like that. It sounds like a really weird list. Uh, it might take a, a little bit of research, but at the same time, I could easily name five of them off the top of my head, off the top of my head. But we're looking for those like urban legend sort of like are they real? Are they mythical creatures? I don't really know, but those creatures that, uh, yeah, you know, crypt cryptids, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one. Uh, Bigfoot's an example. Jersey Devil's an example. Um, would the Slender Man be an example, or is that more of like a haunting? You know, let's, I think, I think Slender Man could count. That's actually a good call. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm usually pretty good with anything goes sort of, uh, lists like that. And, Slenderman, I know, is technically like a creepy pasta, I think, but I'm cool <laughs> with including him here. So, um, okay. and, and the, and the thing I was going to what's you know, I'm just trying to figure out where the boundaries of this are. Yeah. So. And the thing I was going to say, like, we're located in the Chicagoland area and the weather has been getting nicer for us. And I've been trying to spend more time outside and something about like the spring and summer and that nice weather. I'm always like I like going for hikes a lot and stuff. And I'm always thinking like you know, what kind of creatures are lurking behind the trees. And I like to think about Bigfoot and cryptids and kind of just uh, let my imagination run uh, in that way. So I just thought this would be a fun uh, list to tackle. So <laughs> sorry right. if this is out, out of left field, but I love talking about this stuff. And oh. I've kind of been sitting on this one for a bit. <laughs> it's, it's a weird one. and It'll be a nice break from comics because when we come back after that list, it's yep. going to be Snyder. It's going to be all so. Justice League again. So. Right. It'll be all Snyder cut just discussion time. So uh, perfect. Um, so that'll be great. Um, so everyone, that's what we're doing next week. Um, do us all a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the links to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Hit us up there. Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. We're on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can subscribe to us. And if you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, uh, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I will be reiterating that all cause work and no cause play makes Jack a dull Astro Boy. <laughs> all right. Um, everyone, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week, everyone. Uh, have a good night.